Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Head over to stretfordpaddock.bigcartel.com and check out the Paddock merch. And for a short time, you can get 20% off orders with two items or more using the code PADDOCK20. Go get on it. Jay here for Stratford Paddock. This is the Devils podcast and joining me, uh, it's like the old school, we've got the band back together. Three of the old school full-time Devils when we were full-time Devils favourites. We've got Trevor Lynch. How are you doing, Trev? Hi. We've got Doc Joshy. How are we doing, Doc? Yeah, all good, pal. Good stuff. And we've also got, last but by no means least, Mr. John Shin, who's just got up because it's only half one in the afternoon over there. <laughs> What's going on, Jay? <laughs> good. I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's good, this man. It feels like, I don't know, feels like it's 2017 or something. Um, uh, we're going to get right, right back here, uh, right into it, even. Um, there was a documentary on last night um, at the time recording. It was. Anson Ferdinand speaking about what he went through when he was, um, let's call it what it was, you know, when he was racially abused and when John Serry said what he said to him in the in the football match against QPR against Chelsea, the abuse he got online as well with a lot of trolling and stuff like that. And he spoke about it. He was really candid. He was really open and honest. He was really emotional as well. He was crying at times. And, you know, what amazed me is he, he opened up his heart. He spoke about the abuse he suffered on the pitch and off the pitch. And then even last night, he was still getting trolled. I noticed there was still some people who were having a dig. And the FA have put out a statement because there was, you know, a little bit of criticism of the FA in the documentary about the way they handled the John Terry situation. They played excerpts of his um, John Terry interview with the FA, which was quite, it was almost like two mates chatting when he was interviewed. And Anton Ferdinand said when he was interviewed about it, he felt like he was the, the, the one that had done something wrong. And the FA have put out a statement, which is very defensive, and I just wanted to get your, your take on it, you guys. You know, you've all sort of experienced racism. You know what racism is about. You know, it's still an issue in football. And and last night just highlighted for me that, you know, yes, we've got the Black Lives Matter movement and people are taking a knee and we are having these conversations, but it just seems like there's still a long way to go. Trevor, what's your take on it all? It's going to be a problem on its own, won't it? Um... Yeah. 
you know what I've done. You know, I've been a professional football coach for over 30 odd years. You know, having the privilege of working in a professional game and the club I love, 20 odd years, Man United. I used to do a lot of work with Kick It Out, you know. Um, have things moved forward? I've got to say, not really. If I'm, you know, it's it's pessimistic. You, you want hope. In terms of when I say things have changed, when I was a kid, obviously going to the game, there's only a few, couple of black kids at, at matches and you got the racial abuse and you, you heard the racial abuse from your own fans to, to black players, etc. And you had to deal with that. I think that the game's done a lot in changing that, you know, in terms of where where um, that's not as frequent in grounds now. And when I say it's frequent, I said frequent, remember, I'm not saying it's been eliminated, because it hasn't. Because unfortunately, sort of a, a small minority who have that mentality, you know, it makes me laugh sometimes when you hear someone shout something racial, and then people look at me and go, well, what about... I don't know, for example, what about Andy Gold? He's black. Yeah, but he's one of ours. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, he'll always be there, I'm afraid. I think, you know, it's it's, it's endemic within society. And I think he'll, he'll always be there and it does pass on to whatever, you know, conventions of society it has, whether it be sport, whether it be in the office, whether it be politics, you know what I mean? Um, the, the, the John Terry thing just really, really infuriated me infuriated me and i think the fa missed out on a big chance to make a massive statement there in terms of they should have sacked him terry should have got sacked from chelsea suarez should have got sacked from liverpool and the scenario which i would have would have loved to have seen is that they could not come back into the premiership for two years and via the championship so they couldn't come straight back into Chelsea or straight back into Liverpool. They'd have to go via the Championship and maybe have a season there and come back up again. You know what I mean? I just think we have this thing, footballers think they're in a privileged position. And they are in a privileged position. But what annoys me is that the law treats them differently. Treats them differently. You know, any one of us, you know, were to say, were to racially abuse someone in the street or, or bring a case against, and, and, you know, they'd be up in front of the courts, find whatever i just think you know it, it it's sad it's sad it's society we just got to try and work harder and harder to, to, to get things going but things have got to be things have got to be you've got to be radical i agree with people walk off the pitch i've always advocated that walk off the pitch you know can you imagine in the middle of the world cup and someone you know says something to a black player and you know millions of people it's like what's going on he's walked off the game sucked you know no, no, I, I completely agree with that. I think, you know, if I went into work and I was racially abused, I wouldn't stay in work. I'd be off. Do you know what I mean? I'd walk off. I'd walk out. Um, but what, Joshy, what do you make of it all? Because, yeah. you know, we, me and you've spoken on this podcast and other times before about racism in football. And, you know, like Trevor said, it's, it's, not, it's not going away. It's not going anywhere, is it? And you can argue that, okay, it's not as bad as it used to be, but we've still got the issue. And as long as there is an issue there, then things have got to change. Yeah, I think I, I totally agree. You need a. You, they talk about a. What was it? No, what's the? I can't even remember what the slogan is now. But no place for racism. You know, zero tolerance. But it isn't zero tolerance, is it? Zero zero tolerance would would result in hard line punishment when these things happen. Um, you know, John Terry, Suarez should be. There should be hard line. Um, 
consequences when you're found guilty and in in that kind of malicious way in which both of them were so it's not really um it's not really good enough from the fa from fifa um and whatever else is around obviously Football isn't going to solve racism, but it can do more for the racism that it's seeing within within the sport, right? Where, especially with the players, fans, it's more difficult to legislate for. Um, and I think with the fans, we see a much more hardline um, sort of reaction. If someone is caught racially abusing a player, they are likely to be banned from the stadium for a significant amount of time. But why is that different for a player? I think it's even more important to be hardline with a player, set that example, set that um, precedent, just say, look, it's just not, this is not, we're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to stand for it. It's not good enough. This is not what we want the sport to be be about. Uh, and and look, whilst things have got better, I don't think the benchmark has was high. Um, and I think even one bit of racism, if you see it, it's not good enough, right? And, and, and I mean... It, just speaking from experience, um, you know, even that one little bit can one 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 incident can have an effect, right? Um, and it can and it can influence the way in which someone goes about their day to day lives. And and I think we've seen that with Anton Ferdinand. I think he, he mentioned a few things in the documentary last night about how he changed the way in which he was he approached things. Um, perhaps it affected his career. Uh, you know, all sorts. So. Hardline zero tolerance must mean hardline zero tolerance, not a few game ban here and our oh, come back in and, and that kind of thing. It has to be, and the clubs have to take that stand as well, right? So it just needs to be hardline, um, and we need we need people to stand up and take responsibility at that highest level. We're just not seeing it. Hundred percent, John. In America, obviously, you know you've had issues around racism, and we've seen especially in sport, we've seen sport really take a stand or take an even. That sort of seems to have come from like Colin uh, Kaepernick. And what have you made of the, the, the way American sport has, has taken that stand? Has it been effective, do you feel? And do you think that's something that maybe we can learn from over in England and perhaps are learning because we're seeing a sort of similar sort of protest, for want of a better word? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot, lot longer than, uh, younger than you three gentlemen here. So I guess maybe... Wow. A lot, lot, lot. He has to get out of here. Not just a lot. A lot, lot, lot. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I just wanted to kind of take, a, I guess, a position from a, a, a more, I guess, younger perspective because I think the Luis Suarez, Patrice Evra incident, as well as the Anton Ferdinand um, and Terry incident, was in 2011, and I was still a sophomore freshman in college. And at the time, I wasn't, to be quite honest with you, at the time, I wasn't all that concerned with the idea of racism. And the reason why I say that is because in New York, when we were young, you know, growing up in a melting pot with, you know, 4,000 kids in my school, I had 35, 40 kids per classroom, right? We, we were literally jammed in like a can of sardines. We, we were, nobody had to worry about anything. It was such a rough world that the idea of racial abuse and whatnot, it was so... I don't I don't want to say this word because I want to be careful, but to a certain extent it was normalized. So when I first heard Anton Fernand and John Terry and you know all that situation, I was like, is it that bad? Is that is this something that we should really be highlighting? But of obviously, of course, over the years I've understood and learned that of course it's a bad thing. And I've also came to terms with the fact that I've been being racially abused all of my life since I've been here in America. And I just didn't really think it was that big of a deal until I started getting older and the more 
I was able to comprehend life. And the more I was able to understand things in life, I realized, oh, shit, this is bad. And you asked me, is this taking effect in, in America with respect to sports and culture here? And to be honest with you, I can't quite say for sure if this is a significant step forward. I think it's a significant step in terms of deciding whether or not it's the right direction. I can't necessarily tell you for sure if, if society or sports culture as a whole has taken that initial first step forward. Um, uh, you know, all that stuff, like you, uh, like uh, Josh mentioned about kick it out in, in England here, you know, lots of people are, you know, now a lot more public about their display of support for the black lives matter movement for, for, you know, battles against racism and things of that nature. But I don't know. I think something else and something a bit more um, wholesome, a bit more hearty needs to happen because as you, as you've seen it again, I don't want to get too political, but as you've seen over the past even decade or so, the idea of uh, the idea of racism, the idea of all this hatred and, and upfront anger has been so normalized that it just almost feels like New York, maybe, uh, maybe for people new in New York, especially New Yorkers, kind of get got the sensation that like, ah, eh, you know, life is fucked anyway, right? Just the people out here, everybody's hard. Everybody's like, you know, it's a, it's literally a jungle, and and it almost feels like the world entirely was kind of like brought into this spotlight of nobody cares about anybody at this point. And I think racism is at the forefront of that battle. And I think we need to do more. I think the idea of uh, not punishment, but the idea of taking responsibility as a society for people's actions against, you know, uh, people of color against minorities and things like that. It needs to be um, portrayed in this idea that it's worse than it actually is. No, 100%, 100%, I get where you're coming from. Um, I just will mention as well, you know, we've had the incident with Edinson Cavani, because I know a lot of people who watch this or listen to this will be like, oh, well, you know, you go on about Suarez, because we do have fans, believe it or not, from other clubs that listen and watch our videos, and they'll be like, oh, well, you don't, you know, you're on about Suarez, and sorry, what about Cavani? I think you can see the differences there, and I think that, you know, your statement that Edinson Cavani and the club have put out, you know, is the sort of statement they should have done, yet, you know, he didn't realise he's made a mistake in the language he's used. And the club have come out and said that. And I think that's completely different from willfully abusing someone on a football pitch. Um, also, you know, we're talking about sort of, Trev, you mentioned about fans and, and being in the ground and the sort of abuse that you heard when you was um, going to football years ago. And I used to hear it when I was a kid. And my dad wouldn't take me to, to games on a weekend, certain games, because he didn't want me to hear certain things. He used to take me to some of the midweek games um, in the Cups, especially and as I got older. I, I heard it less and less frequently. But sort of my point is... Do you think that the, the culture is changing amongst fans as well? Do you think fans are more likely to call it out and more likely to say something? Or do you think that social media has perhaps made it a little bit worse because now you've got that faceless attitude of people who can get on a keyboard and say things sort of, you know, not to someone's can face, I, but almost behind the back? Where do you think we are as, as fans with all this? Can I, can I just address the Cavani thing? Of course you can, mate. Please do. Should be banned. Right, fair enough. I was on Houston's, yeah, I was on Houston's brew last night, yeah. me and him were talking about it. Listen, because it's the rule, right? And, you know, that, that washabout where in Uruguay they use that rhetoric, well, that's in Uruguay. You're in the premiership. You know, you're in the premiership, you know the rules, you know, and for any, for, for you see, this is, oh, we'll go for the tangent a little bit. You see, that's why I don't agree with this BME acronym from the government-led BAMI, BME, whatever you want to pronounce it. 
So how do Uruguayans look at themselves? Are they not black? Because if you say to someone who's white, what is Kivana? They're not going to say he's white. But what is he? What, what, what are people from South America? You know, whether they're Brazilians, whether they're Paraguay, Uruguay. So, you know, when, when Suarez trying to give that about, oh, it's what we use. It's a normal, like John was saying, it becomes normalised. Well, it might be normalised in Uruguay, but this is the premiership and we have rules for that. And if you say that N-word, that connotation coming from a white person has different connotations and the ramifications of that word to a black person saying it. I don't agree with black people using it. I teach racism in schools and I will not allow it to be used. You know, people cross about reclaiming this word. No, that will never be a positive. It will always be a negative. So, unfortunately, Gavani, like we say, yeah, okay, there might be a case, he's done it as a term of endearment. But I used to get the questions, there's a certain footballer, I don't want to go into it, but there's a certain legend footballer at Man United who used to use that term Right, not as a derogatory term, but he loved rap music and he'd give it that. And when he'd meet you and greet you, he'd yell, yo, what's happening, mate? And it was like, for me, straight off the bat, no, stop. Well, other black players would accept it from the white guy. Well, I wouldn't. Because like I'm trying to say to him, no. But you also got to understand from a white perspective how they say, well, how come then black guys can use it as a term of endearment? How can Kanye stand at Glastonbury Festival and for, uh, get 100,000 people all chanting the N-word, the N-word in Glastonbury? And then when you go into the school and you hear it and you go, stop, and you go, yeah, but sir, Kanye West said it's okay. Do you know what I mean? So, unfortunately, listen, it's sad as well because you know what, Cavani's coming on point, isn't it? He's coming on point. Do you know what I mean? And now suddenly I'll be faced with him getting banned. But, it's rules, I'm afraid. No, I know me and you were talking about yesterday, Trevor, and, you know, I agree with what you're saying. And, you know, rules are rules and he's got to be worded up on it. He has, he's got to, he's, he's got to be worded up on it and say, you know, this is, these are the rules, you can't use that. And I get where you mean it. It's, I always find that sort of BME stuff confusing and somewhat sort of muddies the waters a little bit at times when it's like, what does that mean and who does it apply to and how do people sort of uh, relate to that? Going back to the thing I was saying about fans, Josh. Excuse me, one minute. Yeah, it's all right. Trevor's got his dog barking in the background and it's not it's not just an episode of Cross that he's watching. He's actually got a dog. <laughs> um, I'll wait till he comes back um, but and then we'll we'll pick up on that because it is, it is a, an important point. I'm glad that Trevor's addressed the Cavani thing as well because you know what? You don't just want to be yeah. tribal with it all and say, oh, well, you know what? Whenever it's our player who's involved in something like that, we'll just back him relentlessly or constantly, no matter what. And when it's an, uh, an opposing player, we'll attack them. You have to be, you know, try and be objective about it and say, yes, obviously there's a difference between what Cavani and Suarez did, but rules are rules. And he's brought yeah, them yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think, I think, you, you, if you, I mean, I, my, my point was zero tolerance, right? So you've yeah. got to treat everyone the same um in terms of that but i think there you can see that there are differences this i mean he's either an idiot which i think is what he is or because he doesn't know that you you, you shouldn't be using that word here in in the uk and if he does know then he's an even bigger idiot right so he needs to be banned and, and teach that lesson but then move on because a, the guy he said it to is a mate of his or something i don't know but um so then just just move on right it, 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 it's punish him accept it take it on the chin there's no none of these 
then his t-shirts and whatnot you know we accept it uh he should be draw a line under it and then he's just if he does it again then it's even more hard line right but but i think um you can see there is a clear difference uh between what he did and and just straight abuse on a football pitch to an opponent that that they're they're, they're, they're worlds apart i think yeah it's also it's important what you said there as well joshie i think for me, one of the deflating things about these issues that we keep having is the, the response from certain clubs, from certain organisations. You know, I mentioned the Anson Ferdinand documentary last night. Anson Ferdinand, right, joined his documentary and, you know, I've given him a round of applause. He was so open, so honest. He was crying. At times he was getting emotional. He was being, you know, admitting about how it felt, made him feel in front of his wife and things like that. The abuse he suffered, he opened his heart out. And the FA have put a statement out today that made me want to throw my laptop out the window because it was just more or less very defensive. They were talking about inaccuracies. They were having a dig at kick it out. And it just, it seemed tone deaf, you know, after that documentary, to then come out with a statement that's so defensive and not really attacking Anton Fernand, but attacking kick it out and saying, well, there's inaccuracies in this documentary. And I think this, for me, is the problem. Part of the problem is the response we have from clubs. You know, the, the statement from Liverpool at the time, Chelsea, when they reacted in the way they did. And you just think... You know, as a club, I want United, which is what they've done, to come out with a statement and just say, yeah, this isn't right and we need to deal with it and, you know, make sure this doesn't happen again. And I think that can be deflating as a fan sometimes when you see these organisations, clubs or whatever, just not getting where we're coming from. Well, this is... Sorry, sorry, John, would you just speak? Sorry. No, go ahead. So I'm just saying, that's what, and the doc's right. It's exactly what you're saying. You know what I mean? There has to be action. Now, like you said, it's obviously, as an intelligent being, you know whether it's things have been said on a derogatory term or whether there's a term of endearment. But the word is outlawed, it's banned, right? Now, you know, when 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 clubs or like the FA have gone, now made that statement, what inaccuracies? The inaccuracies is on their perspective, not on the victim. The victim was Anton Ferdinand. Don't try and switch it and make him be the victim. You know, Chelsea, Chelsea's actions... What about the scenario when they're in the YouTube in your, in uh, not the YouTube on the tube train in in Euro somewhere in in Paris and a lot of Chelsea fans took it and won't let a black man on the train going we are Chelsea and f this and f the, the n word and you're like what you know at the end of the day right it's got to be like say zero it's got to be hard and sharp you, we 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 cannot even like Man United in this scenario we cannot as a club go oh well it don't matter. Because then you condone in John Terry, you condone, you condone in Suarez. You can't do it. You can't do it. And when it's one of ours, and you know, I, for me, you know, when people talk about Suarez or oh, what Suarez would be great, you know, he'd be fantastic. I would oh. never ever go into Old Trafford again if he came to United. I would 100%. never. I would never. Now that's not dis- that's not disrespecting the fact that he's not a great striker. Of course he is. Do you know what I mean? But no, as a man, no. JT, no, not interested. Not interested in, in anything you can say. Do you know what I mean? And for Ashley Cole, please, how can you be five yards away from John Terry, not hear what he said, but yet you're 50 metres away from Anton and you heard him? Come on, man. But we know no. the difference of that. It's just, the, 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 whole, the whole racism thinking just... It's an awkward thing we have to discuss, right? It's a horrible conversation we have to have. But some, unfortunately, it will resonate within the people in charge of the game, the people in charge of clubs, because they know they've been around people who've used them terms and not said anything. And the difference from being 
you know, non-racist to anti-racist is a massive. You know, uh, there is a, um, a, a famous comedian by the name of Dave Chappelle. And, oh, I love uh, Dave Chappelle. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Uh, who, who's that, John? Yeah, he's <laughs> I just want to Dave what? Dave Cha- Cha- Chappelle. There's a, there's the a famous, uh, You hear about that famous footballer who died earlier this week? Uh, what's his name? Diego something. Yeah, you hear <laughs> no. about him? No, I've never heard of him. Go on, Dave, John. Tell us about this Dave <laughs> oh, Chappelle, was it? Or Dave Chappell. <laughs> First rest in peace, man. No, no, yeah. How old do you think we are, John? Do you think we're yeah, like, I know, right? That was a joke. That was a joke. You know who Dave Chappelle is? <laughs> John, John no, I just think we know who Richard Pryor is or Bernie Mac. You know Bernie Manning, John? No. There you go. I don't know who he Youngsters these days, eh? Uh, well, I brought up Dave Chappelle because... Um, in his two specials ago, he said, and I think we spoke. I spoke to Jay about this in 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 our po- in the political podcast that we had. But and again, I don't want to get too much into politics. But the reason why I want to bring this up is because Dave Chappelle said, in America, everybody's racist, and in China, everybody's Chinese. And you can take that in many different connotations, many different contexts, and whatnot. But basically, what he's just trying to say is that we're in a position, we're in a situation here where that kind of racism is obviously normalized and obviously brought out into limelight now. Limelight now, but there are certain situations across the world where there, it's not really that big of an issue, right? So, for instance, like for me, uh, being a Korean American myself, when I go to Korea, I that statement Dave Chappelle says holds 100. Everybody in Korea is Korean. You don't really see uh, you know non-Korean people, right? So for maybe maybe just to maybe play a devil's advocate for uh, uh, Cavani in his situation, that that term that he used was so normalized. And again, like for us, like we were saying. I get the fact that, you know, there was no malicious intent, right? If you're on the pitch and you're trying to be abusive, then sure, then I get it. But he was just using it as a term of endearment. I get it. However, I'm 100% also in the same boat here as uh, Trev here. You know, if we have to make sure we start at zero. And if that means laying out punishment with no exception, then so be it, right? Uh, uh, he's come out and, and said that, you know, he as soon as he understood that this could be misconstrued, he took it down. That's fine. I I, I still I still accept it. I, I think he did the right thing and whatnot, but punishment is punishment, right? We all have to start at zero somewhere. And while I understand where he might have come from, what his his cultural connotation might have been, like where he was, where he raised, where he trained, all, all of those things aside. Uh, I get it, but at the same time, if we're going to try and make sure that we root this thing out, the biggest step forward for me is starting at zero. And that zero means zero tolerance. And it, we just have to make sure we're equal on all fronts in that respect. 100%, John. Well said, mate. Well said. I'll make sure I'll check out that comedian you mentioned. What's his name? <laughs> Dave, Dave Chappell, was it? He sounds like Darren, he, uh, he could. Darren Chapman. Darren Chapman, that's the one. I'll just roll that down. I'll Google him um, after I've after I've finished watching me uh, Charlie Chaplin videos. And you know what? I I did come across this 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 comedian recently on a little known show. You may have heard of it. I don't know. You might not have done Saturday Night Live. It's a it's a fairly new show in the US. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like some of the kids watch. He did his opening. You know, they the the monologue. They do the opening monologues. He was a guest host. He covered a few topics, and he was he was very very good on that. That's worth a watch, I think. I, yeah. I can't remember it, but yeah, you know, it, there was some really good stuff in that. 
He is, he is quality, Dave Chappelle. Um, some good good points there, guys. And, you know, it's a topic that will no doubt rumble on, both, you know, for the positive way and a negative way as well. Um, just before we move on as well, we've got a bit of a portion of giveaway on the channel. We've been um, doing a members giveaway over Christmas where you can win a PlayStation 5. You can win a load of merch. You've got T-shirts. You've got um, Football Manager. You've got Andy Cole's book. All this sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what is this PlayStation 5? I can't even PlayStation I can't 5. Get... I don't know. Yeah, apparently the kids are into it. Um, don't ask me. I still go on my Game Boy or my Atari. Um, but if you sign up for members, that's the John that we don't know about them. That's yeah, we don't John, John will know that. John's probably got the, the PlayStation 5s and all the rest of it. We're still playing Tetris on the uh, on the wireless. <laughs> So if you are Super Mario, remember it? Super Mario, mate. Now you're talking. He's now like, you're talking my thing? language. He said, like, What's the thing you can jump? And <laughs> that was Super Mario. Frogger. <laughs> Pac Man. Joe's <laughs> got a Pac Man arcade machine in his house. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you join up as a member, we've got loads of stuff we're giving away over Christmas. Got loads of t shirts, all that stuff. Uh, PlayStation 5 is up for grabs. You can win one of them. So check it out. We appreciate your support as well. We are fan owned and we appreciate all the support we've had. People sort of mucking in the membership. And there's loads of content as well for membership. Stuff you get on here as well. And we've got a few extra behind the scenes stuff. So make sure you check that out. The link is below. And I think you can join next to the subscribe button. Um, moving on to the Champions League. United playing PSG this week. Now, I've got a question, and this may sound like the most ridiculous question ever, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Can United win the Champions League? Trev, yeah. I'll start with you. <laughs> this, you, know, you know, for me... Go on. He, Hit me with he, it, brother. He, he's, he's, this is the long wind-up to, yeah, 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 we can. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all United fans, right? <laughs> I think the Champions League, right? I think the Champions League could go back to where it was. One stage knockout, boom, forget it. Forget all these group things. And I also believe, radical, that the Champions League should just be champions. Going back to it. I know, I know, yeah. I know what you said. Trevor will never be in it. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing your... John John Shin, have you ever watched a? Has John Shin ever watched a Champions League with only champions in it? That's what I want to know. No, I know. Definitely showing our age. <laughs> it, was, it was called the European Cup then, John. And you yeah. used, to, used to pay two and six to get in. <laughs> Liverpool played Marbella or something like that. Anyway, but anyway, I don't know, mate. I don't know. I, you know, you know the thing is, it's like, listen, whether, whether like you're all in or all out or whatever, he's the manager. You just got to stick with him now. I think United are probably trying to go down the road of like a Fergie scenario, but there's no honesty and transparency. I think if you we stuck with Fergie for seven years until he won something, if they're going to do that with Ollie, fine, but let us know as fans. Let let's say like this is what it is, right? Bang, come out, make a statement. Don't just say it's about we're behind him because that that gives shields of the old vote voice of confidence, vote of confidence thing, and you know within a week they've gone. So just come out and say, right, this is a scenario. We stuck with Ferguson for seven years, we're sticking with Ollie. Those of you who don't like it, tough. Those of you who do like it, fair enough. But it's about Ollie's team selections. I mean, why the hell he didn't produce the same team last week as we started off in the, in the Champions League? I don't know. I don't know, but can we win it? Who knows? Over to you, Doc. <laughs> um, yeah, the reason, Doc, I'll just before I was qualified, the reason I asked that, right, is because obviously the obvious answer would be no, we can't. There's much better teams in it than us. But 
There's two things. One, I think if you look historically in the Champions League, the best team in Europe doesn't always win the Champions League. Chelsea finished sixth in the Premier League, won the Champions League. Liverpool finished fifth, won the Champions League. Porto, when in Oxford's out in 2004, weren't the best team in Europe, in my opinion. Even Maybe even Inter in 2010 under Jose, you could argue there were better teams in it than then. That's debatable. Um, so I'm just thinking, in a, in a tournament, I know it's not the old-school tournament that Trev wants, but you've always got a, a puncher's chance. And I think on our day, United have shown we're, we're capable. I know we don't have our yeah, day yeah, consistently yeah. enough. So I just thought, you know, should we not be in this competition thinking, you know what? we can win it and we should be aiming to win it or have we got to be a little bit more pragmatic? No, I think it's a second. We should always aim to win the competitions that we got, we're in, right? That That's just the club that we are, right? That That's how we should be. That's the mentality of the club. Every match we go into, we should be aiming to win. Obviously, we can't win every single game, you know, um, but that's the attitude that we should have in the team and we should be going with confidence into these games to do that. But like you say, look, we beat PSG and it was a good performance. It wasn't like the last one um, where Rashford's penalty, that was a bit of a smash and grab. They had a few, they were they were on us um, quite a bit. There was the kind of the penalty was, was a little bit, let's say, fortunate. Uh, this was a really good away performance Um in, in Europe and and we were the better side and we deserve the win. And then Leipzig, you know, that is the scoreline speaks for itself. They're both quality sides, right? Um and and we've we've matched we've more than matched them. We've we've outplayed Leipzig and and we've we've been the better side against PSG. So I think on our day we can we can beat the best sides. And we have beaten them, right? I think under Oli we've beaten all the top teams. I don't think we've, we've not beaten Liverpool under Oli yet, but um, they're the only kind of big side we haven't beaten under Solskjaer. Um, and that includes several consecutive wins against City, Chelsea, you know, so it's not, it's not like we don't have the quality. And when you look at the team, individually, the quality is there. I think with the Champions League as well, teams are, these are the better sides in Europe. They will be more likely to come at us, right? Which is, I think, suits the, players at the moment a bit better than when we are under pressure to go and, and and dictate the game so again I think there's always that chance when you've got players like Bruno Fernandes you know Rashford can turn something Martial can turn something now we've seen Cavani can turn a game round um, you know we have quality throughout in, in the attacking areas so there's always that chance but it just happens it just depends on you know can, can we get a bit of a lucky draw and then on on the night when it really matters, are we on it? And and if it happens, uh, if you if that kind of lines up, then you could have a Liverpool situation where they won it, and and didn't they were pretty poor actually in the grand scheme of European football, um, and, and Chelsea similarly. So yeah, I, I don't see why not. It's obviously not a prediction before this gets clipped up and posted all over the place. But it, you know, and as as a fan, I'm hopeful, uh, and and I think there's there's reason to be optimistic. So there you go, uh, Joshy says we're definitely <laughs> going to win the Champions League. You heard it there. Everyone who missed that bit said 100% nailed on. We'll win it because um, we're the best team in the world, which I think is a bit of a bold statement, but fair enough, he's, he's an optimist. Uh, John, as a fan, going into this competition, do you look at it thinking, yeah, you know what? We've got a bit of a chance here, or do you just think it's one of those where you're like, if we can get out of the group, then, you know, I'm not, not happy with that, but, you know, I'll, I'll take it. Well, I'll just come out flat here saying I don't think Manchester United can win the Champions League. But with that being said, like Josh said, I think Josh used the perfect word. I think the word here is pressure. Uh, I think this team right now, they're probably under a lot less pressure to deliver anything 
than any other Manchester United team, simply given the fact that we've been so poor for so long. Uh, uh, we've been so inconsistent for so long that as fans, we've almost kind of lost these, this hope that, oh, maybe we could do it. But if there's any platform to do it, it would be in the Champions League, right? It is the place of unpredictability. It is the place of comebacks. It is the place of magic. And that's where you can do it. So while I can sit here and tell you that Manchester United cannot win the uh, the Champions League, I can also sit here and tell you that it is very unpredictable, like Joshua was saying. And we're just kind of like sitting here wiggling around. But it is – I think this team uh, should not be pressured to win uh, to win. I think we as fans also have a duty and I maybe maybe I'm also kind of contradicting the fact that, you know, we shouldn't even be doing a, a podcast discussing their potential of winning a Champions League because I just think adding pressure to to this team this in this age is just not helping and adding to them. And one of the reasons why we probably need to do uh, we probably we, we talk a lot about Ole in and Ole out, and obviously we'll probably discuss that another time. But I think Ole has less pressure in the Champions League because he has something to lose. There isn't any sort of um, expectation for Ole to deliver. And I think it'll be the perfect place for Ole to deliver something as strong and concrete as the Champions League and sort of cement his position as a manager to stay as opposed to somebody who's you know, being thrown around words like, you know, got the job because of his connection to Manchester United and, and you know, his his failings at Cardiff and and, and his lack in experience in manager uh, in, you know, managerial time. So uh, with respect to that, I just think Manchester United is going to be tough. But again, it is a place of unpredictability. So I'd love to see that happen. The, the thing is, the question you got to ask yourself in the end is, do you see this United side beating the likes of Bar- I would say Bayern Munich right I-, I could see us beating Barcelona as they are Real Madrid as they are they're not the force that they used to be it's and we have beaten City I can see us beating Liverpool there especially with Van Dijk now you know that long-term injury it's Bayern Munich is the one where I look at and I go do I see us even on our best day beating that side they're just a machine aren't they at the moment and and it that's the difficulty so, but still, everybody else in Europe, there's no other kind of team in Europe where I go on our best day, we wouldn't beat them. It's it's only Bayern Munich where I think they've just got so much quality in every position. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Again, uh, I don't want to talk about this whole this age crap, but I've always <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I've we always go. enjoyed. I've always enjoyed uh, a Manchester United performance more when we when we deliver on a on a spot where we're more of the underdogs, where we're sort of in where we have all the hate, where we have all the bullshit, where we have all the bull crap against us, and we somehow come up with a victory. I think it tastes tenfold sweeter. And I think the Champions League is the Champions League is the perfect place to do that. So, like you know, Josh mentioned, yeah, Bayern Munich, of course, they are a machine, and and their quality output is absolutely insane. And it's just, I don't even know how that's possible. But for a team like Manchester United, of course, we have these flaws and whatnot. But I think there could be magic. I know I I'm the I'm the one out of all four of you guys, all four of us that <laughs> Manchester United will not win the Champions League. But here, and I now am. you're coming I'll, round to it, John. No, now you're coming. Out. Josh's no, way of thinking. <laughs> I didn't say we'd win it. I didn't say we'd win it. <laughs> I didn't say that either. You never know. Uh, you never yeah. know. Going to what Doc says. You see, I, on the day, like you said, we can beat anyone. Let's go back a couple of seasons, right? When when Oliver's taken in, right? And like you said, with the Rashford thing at PSG, we were going to that game without Pogba, you know. And everyone was going, forget it, forget it, forget it. We're going to get hammered. We've won the game without Pogba. 
So to me, the red flag went, do we really need Pogba in the side then? And subsequently, going on to that, because he's a different scenario, we ought to talk about him, he's a different subject. But going on to him, we have won important games without him. And what we've added to the side, in terms of Bruno, Cavani, Van der Beek, I mean, don't get me on him, why he doesn't start every week, I don't know. But we have that, like you say, ability, like John says, when everything's against us and if people are down, you know, giving us a shit, you've not got a chance and we come up trumps. So who knows? But Most equally, yeah, you think we're going to win it. <laughs> equally, though. Nailed, nailed on. I, you know what's just given me a lift as well is that Joshy said that Van Dyke's got injured. I didn't know about that. I've not read that anywhere. <laughs> no, I'm surprised. No, no, no. I'm Don't surprised no one's no one spoke about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say equally. Having said all of that, we could easily go into tomorrow's game and then next week and just get battered, right? Yeah, that's just we could. <laughs> we could. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just this team at the moment is is like that, isn't it? Yeah. So I want uh, I want to get onto that because you've all mentioned it. Um, Trev mentioned it earlier, and you mentioned it as well. Sort of Ollie and and backing him and. And where we're at, because I go back to the Southampton game. And listen, I know social media doesn't tell you a full story, but we've, we've seen it quite a lot where it's like at half time, Ollie out, he's got to go, he's inept, he don't know what he's doing, he's, you know, this is clueless, the Norwegian PE teacher and all that garbage. And then at full time, it's like, oh, actually, do you know what? Maybe oh, Cavani's the one and and all this sort of stuff. And I just feel, do we need, like, as fans, as a club, whatever, to just say, right, you know, at least, no matter what, give this guy to the end of the season and just get behind him a bit because it just seems... I know all clubs have this. Every team has this. But it just seems United, week in, week out, it's like one minute, we, you know, we beat Leipzig and it's like, oh, yeah, maybe Oli is the right man. And then, you know, we'll go and lose to Arsenal or whatever and it's like, oh, we've got to get rid. We've got to get rid. And it just seems to be... I don't know whether it's... I don't know whether the players are aware of it or whatever, but it just seems so counterproductive. And I think do we just need to say, you know what, let's stop this nonsense and just get behind him till at least the end of the season... And then we can take it from there. Yeah. Anyone? Any, go on, Trav. Yeah. yeah, I think whoever manager comes in, because I didn't like I didn't like Van der Waal. Didn't like Van der Waal. You know, it's well documented. I was a Jose man. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, you're giving people time, they will do it. Jose's football wasn't attractive, but again, the Borussia supported him. Anyway, that's another story. We know that. My my only issue is is now the board is just gonna not give Oli what he wants and give the fans what they want. What the board wants, not the fans. <coughs> so they will go out and they'll buy so-and-so and they'll buy so-and-so. Do you know what I mean? And then does Oli then become a bit like Stoichkov, Barcelona when Bobby Robson was there and Bobby Robson was a figurehead. We, it's well documented and the players picked themselves, didn't they, and, and decided when to play and when they didn't. Do you know what I mean? Scenario. I think at the end of the day, what you've got to do, we've just got to back any manager that comes in and that's just it and let him get on with it. But give him give him the time. Because Oli has been given time. He's been given a hell of a lot more than people whose CVs will blow him out the window, out the water, and and and, and they've gone. So we have to support him, win or lose. But let's have some, some transparency, like I said. Just say this is a situation like it or lump it. And as far as you like it or lump it. Joshy, just asking you quickly, um, how much do you think Pochettino comes in at this? Because we keep hearing these rumours, and I think I think if Pochettino had a job, was like, a just I don't know, say Real Madrid appointed him tomorrow, or whatever, 
I don't think Oli would be under as much pressure. It seems to me that there's a lot of the, the sort of the narrative centers around the fact that Pochettino is just, you know, is the United manager in waiting. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I'm, I've, I've got to the point where uh, I'm just like Trevor says. You just kind of accept where we are and just wait until something happens, right? There's not much we can do at the moment. What I don't want to see though is, um, you know, look. It, if if they were to sack Ollie, let's say, and bring in Pochettino at some point, what are they going to do? Right, you you need to back the new guy then, and you need to. But they haven't done it with Ollie. They have. It, it's not about backing them one summer when you've had such chronic underinvestment for a long time. Then, which is then supplemented by such poor spending uh, post Fergie, like atrocious. Some of the stuff that some of the amount of money we've spent on Dross. Um, you, you can't then just think one summer is going to kind of change all of that. What I, but what, what we've got to do is give credit where credit is due for Oli. I think ultimately we have to accept the fact that whether we like it or not, he is still learning in his job and he, and whether we, we think that's appropriate for a Manchester United manager is a, it's a different conversation, but you know, he is the manager. He's still learning in his job and he is improving in areas and he's done a lot of good stuff, you know, shipped out some absolute, donkeys right like people that needed to go have gone has uh, cleared out a fair amount off the wage bill he's brought in i think for the large part when i think about his transfers they've been good decent you know um i wouldn't say anyone is a, a dan james is maybe one where you put a question mark but i think everybody else has done we can see that there's a there are good players there so i think from a transfer perspective is good he's built a really you can see the culture and the spirit in the team is good as well um, otherwise, we're not coming back from a two nil, two nil down, right? We wouldn't come back and win that if the spirit was poor. So I think he's, there's lots of positives. What we need, maybe what he needs to do is bring in a little bit of help in the backroom staff in terms of ex- proper elite level experience coaches. I don't know who that is. I'm not knowledgeable enough. But you know, someone to come in and really start, you know, the, the fine detail. I don't think Ollie sits down or any in the co- anyone in the coaching staff sits down with the players after a game and runs through the match and goes, this is what you did here. This is what you did there. This is not quite right. Because every, every single match, just look at it. It's, it's so sloppy. The, the passing at the back, You're how many times have we seen Aaron Wambisaka have to check back because the pass is just behind him or the pass is just a little bit short or it's a little bit too far ahead and it's not quite right. Yeah. Because people, they, they kind of get a bit sloppy. Maguire, Lindelof because it's a sideways pass and it's a straightforward pass it's not crisp it's not into the right in in, you know they're not creating the right angles and that's sloppiness and I don't think anyone takes them through individually through the match next match just watch the, the, the passing around the back even the simple passes so sloppy you end up with Matic facing his own goal instead of facing forward because the pass is slightly behind him so he's got to check back things like that someone who's got let's say Jose's eye for detail would come in and I'm not saying bring Jose back, but that eye for detail, they could sort that out while Oli can manage more like the overall culture, the the kind of spirit, all that kind of bit, the philosophy or whatever you want to call it. I, I just don't think a new manager is the answer because the, 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 the board aren't going to be, they aren't going to back him properly. So what's the point? I, I, I quite enjoy watching United at the moment for the most part. Uh, we've got youth players coming through. You know, we are trying to attack. We've got quality up front. I'm good at the moment. You don't want another manager to come in and just tear that up for the mo- for the for the moment. 
John, what what are your thoughts on on sort of the Ollie situation? Do you think we need you know we need to show a bit more confidence in him, or do you think that the, there's still an element of the jury being out because of like I think Trevor was saying about his CV or because of some of the results we've had, which you know we're being brutally honest. I think what was it three home losses out of four or whatever it was in the Premier League? You know you're going to get questioned when that happens. Or you know where do you where where do you feel about all this, or where are you with this? Uh, well, I think Ollie is a bit of a. Um... There, there are situations where like <clears throat> Ole is expected, but also unexpected. Ole is um, we demand, but we really don't demand. And what I mean by that is Ole is obviously like I think Joshi probably said it perfectly. He was talking about how you know he's still I guess learning on the trade and whether or not you agree or disagree with that aspect is a whole day uh, for a whole other conversation. But um, I think the reason why he gets so much flack is because he's not. And the word I'm going to use here is is too young and hip for you guys, but he's not sexy, and I think that's the word here, right? Only going to too young and hip for us. Hey, <laughs> uh, sexy. I think that's the word here. Only going to Solskjaer is 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 questioned by all all people because of his lack of sexiness, and what I mean by that is his lack in experience, his lack in uh, accolades. So many of these things wrap around Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You could say that, oh, but John, that, that means that he shouldn't be expected to win anything. But you could also say that he's also expected to win win things because of the reason why he got this job. And there's just this technicality, the, the, the reason as to how he got the job, does he deserve the job, all of that surrounding us, the fact that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer isn't a manager that wasn't sexy gives him this position where like, in first half, if we're losing, it's all out. But if, if second half we're winning, it's all in, right? And, and I'm going to finish that by talking about Pochettino. Yes, Pochettino is also the same as Solskjaer for me because he hasn't won anything, right? He hasn't done anything really to prove. But some people can also say, oh, but he's been to the Champions League final. He's done all these things. Great. I think as a, I think as a man manager, I think as a coach, Pochettino is fantastic, but he hasn't really proven anything either. So replacing one with the other, what's that going to prove? The reason why people like talking about Pochettino is because he's been here and done it, and he's sexy. I'm going to keep using that word. I'm going to come back in another podcast. I'm going to say it again. He's sexy, and that's the reason why those people who want to have Ole Gunnar Solskjaer replaced are more happy with the idea of somebody like Pochettino because He's sexy. And if you guys are listening, why don't you get in the comments and let us know why you think I keep saying the word sexy for Ole, and you can define that. I think it's because it, that's another word that we talk about start the program has been normalized in the USA, man. So everything's sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, I like that. <laughs> this bacon butty think, is sexy. Do you think sexy is like a new word or something? Yeah. No, like we've never so heard like the word. Telling it like... Me, we've got we've got kids, us lot, you know, and we know how we yeah. got them kids. <laughs> you know, my seven-year-old came home the other day and said uh, it was talking about um, Minecraft or something, and he just goes, "That's legit." And I was like, "What the? I said, What's, what does that mean? What's legit?" And I thought you were going to say something along those lines, like, eat, yeah. "I don't know, I could, I don't know the terminology these days, but sexy." <laughs> you Jesus, know what sexy, what you is, John. Remember, is that is the reason. See, Jay's very clever here. What Jay is on, he's got those older ones on, older. So then he's got John on the younger ones. That keeps us young, and we're we're down with the vocabulary, the vernacular. So Jay, we got John on. It's like John, 
John, when you start in future, you've got to start saying, well, from a young perspective... (laughs) (laughs) We've learned some... I'll tell you what, I've learned who Dave... I've wrote this down. Dave Chappelle (laughs) is... And I've learned there's a new word called sexy. I'll tell you what, John, it's been an education. <laughs> um, just one final topic before we get on to Wally of the Week. Um, fans are in the ground in the, in the Premier League, sort of. If you're in Tier 1 or Tier 2, you can have 2,000 fans, I think, in the stadium. Manchester at the minute is in Tier 3, although that can change on the 16th of December. So we're not having any fans at Old Trafford. Just want to get everyone's thoughts on that. Do you think having 2,000 fans, I know it's not a lot, makes any difference? Do you think this is fair? Do you think it's something that they should say no fans at all across the board in the Premier League? Where, you know, What are your thoughts on it? Trev, I'll start with you. Oh, man. You know me, listen, the whole football thing, should, you know, we're, we're yeah. supposed to be in a global pandemic, right? So for yeah. me, we shouldn't have been here on here talking about football. Football shouldn't be played. Why are we having international games? We've got a, a global pandemic. People are flying from country to country to play football. Okay? So for me, no, I'm sorry. You can say about you need to uplift this and you need to do that. But again, we fall into the realms of football being a thing within itself. You know? So talk about fans. So if we're in a global pandemic, 2,000 fans mixing, what happens? Where's, does that exasperate the, the, the problem then? Did the R8 go up again now? After 2,000 fans? I, I know people are going to go, you know, we shouldn't have been playing football. We shouldn't have been playing sport. I'm sorry. But they're just, what well, it is, what it is. No. The, the the whole, you know, you make a great point about, especially the international football, how many times have people, players, quarantine or players have caught it, have got the coronavirus, they've been travelling and it's like, oh, well, you know, this player's got it or this team or whatever. Joshy, obviously you're at the front line yeah. of some of this. What, what have you made it all? I've made of it all, sorry. Well, we did a we did a pod about it, didn't we? I actually yeah. didn't think we. Were, I thought this season would be at risk, right? Because I thought sensible people wouldn't start football and 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 things like that until we really understood and what was going on and had a gra- grasp of it. I mean, we got football going on, and we're the rest of us are in a in some kind of uh, soft lockdown. It doesn't make sense to me. And then you go from this soft lockdown scenario where we've tried to shut down the whole country to a point, right? Not as bad as the first one. And then straight from that, certain parts of the country will allow 2,000 people into grounds. Now, I think uh, from a medical perspective, I just cannot put, get my head around that. That's It doesn't make sense to me. And it, it, it what's the point? I do understand, obviously, that, um, you know, that the, the, I mean, even just speaking about myself, the fact that football has been on has been a godsend, right? I, I, there's just other because it's just nothing else to do. There's, you know, you've got to. So I, I love the fact that football's on. If I'm talking purely kind of selfishly, but it, it just shouldn't be on if that makes sense. I and mean, let's not go on to international games. I had a rant about that the other day. The fans piece, I think the two thousand limit, whatever it's an arbitrary number, because you know it's going to help out the lower league clubs a lot more right i think that's probably a driver of it for a club like united 2000 fans it's what are they going to do they're probably going to ship it out to the corporate boxes right their first choice or whatever um is from a revenue perspective they've written it off anyway right so it, it doesn't make a difference i'm not too bothered if some um clubs have fans in the stadium while united aren't allowed to because of the tiering system at that 
in in a 70 80,000 seat stadium 2000 fans in corporate boxes it's not going to make a difference whether we're allowed them or not right um so i'm not that bothered i think given it's happening uh, there's nothing we can do about it i think it's good that, that it will be it will help out the lower clubs like the non league and then the and the, uh, those clubs that do rely on that income match day income so yeah as much as a as a medical professional i think it's it just doesn't make sense to me to allow this to happen it is going to happen and but from from a united perspective i'm not that bothered because i was never going to be what i mean i i can't imagine they're going to i don't know how they're going to sort out who the 2000 are they're going to do a lottery on season tickets or they're just going to go corporate boxes i don't know but either way um I'm not, I'm not, even if I was uh, able to go, or rather, even if I was selected to go, let's say in some random lottery, I wouldn't, right? Because it's, I'm not going to travel all the way up there and then travel back down and, and, and with thousands of people around me in this environment that we're in at the moment. No, I'm, I'm, for, I'm, I'm with you almost for a different reason as well. I think that, you know, one of the things I like going to the game is, is seeing my mates, you know, you have that camaraderie, you chat to each other, you're with each other. And, you know, being one of 2000, you're not, that's, I'm not, it's not going to be me and a load of my mates. And even if it was, we, you know, we can't, what we, we've got to stand five metres apart or two metres apart, whatever. It's, yeah, it seems fraught with problems. I don't really get it. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on, on it? Oh, well, um, here, here in America, they tried doing that. But now, as you can see, with the numbers going crazy, it's it's an absolute shit show, uh, especially here with the respect to NFL. They are having to postpone games left, right, and center. They're relocating. Like some people, some teams from California are playing in Arizona. Some clubs from Canada are playing in in, in Florida. Like we're going through an absolute shit show just to watch a bunch of what fucking what's the word wanks? Just a bunch of watch a bunch <laughs> of like. It's not worth the risk. It's not worth. That was the... like that was like watching my grandma trying to swear. Yeah, we get watch a bunch of oh 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 cheeky John, buggers. I just wanted to make sure if I should have said was, should have said was John. We're trying to watch these guys playing. Well, they're just like sexy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I should have done okay, that. Yeah, the top in there. Sorry, my brain's kind of still half functioning, but. No, but it's an absolute it's an absolute shit show here. And, and what's the point of us going through that? And like you, you know, Trev and, and Josh said, you know, I, I wasn't I, I thought playing football was a, a dangerous idea. I thought playing sports was a dangerous idea. I, I agree with Josh. I was I actually went crazy on Twitter complaining about the fact that we're sending all these players across to play international football. I thought that was absolute disgrace. Um, but bringing in fans. I think it's a bit of a more greedy position and I don't, again, I'm not trying to get too political, but I think that the people that are suffering the most are, are the lower and, and middle-class people who are actually having difficulties putting food on the table. And if 2000 fans means bringing 2000 fans that are willing to want to go to the stadium to bring them joy, then so be it. But if that's going to aggravate the numbers, then why are we doing that? There's more middle-class families, small business owners that are suffering Small clubs like Streffer Paddock FC are also having difficult time training and doing all these things. I'm I'm pretty sure I don't I can just look at Stephen House's eyes and read all that. It it doesn't it it's it doesn't make sense that we're just bringing like Josh you said like Manchester United bringing in two thousand fans and charging them ticket prices and things like that is not that much. It's the lower leagues. It's the it's the smaller businesses. It's the day to day people that are going to suffer more if the numbers get out of control because of things like this. And just to just to wrap that up, in the earlier days of the pandemic. I bring up Korea again, but Korea was one of the first countries to bring back sports leagues because they had such a great control on their situation. 
if you have a solid firm grip on what they're what you're going to do with respect to curbing this pandemic then i'm sure right as fans you're more comfortable about going out to a stadium you're more comfortable about being able to be around other people at a safe distance and all of that but if you have a control in the situation and you're going to do these things then that's fine right it's a encouraging step forward but if we're already shit the floor and telling yourself, oh, you know, we're going to bring more fans because we need to boost the morale. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Who are you trying to convince? Who are you trying to sell, right? There's people dying out here. And, of course, at the end of the day, it's about corporate greed. and uh, Not corporate greed. It's about the idea of, of money you have to generate. It's not – it's it's the real real world, John. Like, you have to make money and people's jobs are like – I get all of that. However – if you're if you're already shit the floor, you cannot tell me that you're going to bring in fans, and that's a great idea. I think we have to control it first, and then if we're moving forward, then we can say, all right, let's bring fans. We're going to return to the norms. But if you're out here fucking shitting all over the place and telling me, oh, we're going to return to the norms, clean up your shit first, and then talk about returning to the norms. Sexy there finish, right there. Sexy finish. <laughs> shit the floor. I like it. Um, right, quickly to wrap up. Wally of the week. You know what Wally of the week is? Who's the guy this week or the woman who's you know been a Wally? Um, Joshy, I'll start with you. Who's your Wally of the week? Um, well, while while we were on the pod, I read the FA statement, so I'm going to say whoever wrote that statement in response to the Anton Ferdinand documentary. You've you've took. I'll be honest with you. You took mine. I was going to say the FA for that statement is an absolute disgrace. Trev. Yeah, just FA. I'll be doing the same thing while you were talking about it. Thinking no. FA. Tone deaf, absolutely tone deaf statement. Whoever's, whoever's written that wants, you know, I don't want to see anyone lose the job, but they want sacking. Um, <laughs> John, basically, John, John, who's your Wally of the Week, mate? I was actually going to say the same thing, but I'm going to say I'm the Wally of the Week for, for making no. fun of you, gentlemen, for uh, for your age. So I'm John. the Wally of the Week. Thanks to um, you, mate. We're all going to go and watch Dave Chaplin videos. Bro, I'm, I'm also going to go and invest in some eye cream and wrinkle cream. Yeah. And and what this, this, Botox. This Botox. Sexy P5. Sexy. I've never heard that before. What? Listen, I think the next podcast should be, should be, is Stephen Housen sexy? For the <laughs> that will be the shortest debate in the history of the internet. That one's getting banned. Hey, it's going to get that'll, blocked that'll immediately. Be a, a, a four-second podcast. Um, <laughs> guys, this has been ace. I love this. It's been like a right reunion. I've actually had a really good time, and I don't often say that on videos. Um, <laughs> you know where to find these guys. Trevor's all over socials. I've got that way. You know where to find him. Um, he's on Twitter, and he's always posting good stuff. Joshy, if I can get this right. There he is. No, there. Yeah, there. He's always he's on socials. A lot of good stuff. Not just the football stuff that we love as well. He's posting a lot of stuff around the pandemic. He's obviously uh, a trained medical professional. He's a doctor. It's not just a nickname. He's not like Dr. Dre. He is actually a doctor. So exactly. uh, he's always sexy doctor, <laughs> doctor sex. Um, and John Shin, the young whippersnapper there. <laughs> He'll be cleaning the shit up off his floor, apparently. Um <laughs> And uh, <laughs> changing his diaper, but no, it's been great, guys. You can find John Shin, he's the number one John Shin on the internet as well. He's on loads of socials. Um, check him out. Uh, this has been the Devil's Podcast, as I said, as well. If you're not a member, check out our membership. We're giving away loads of good stuff. You got a chance to win a PS5 t shirts, Andy Cole's biography, all that stuff. Check it out and join. But we appreciate your support. If you're not, make sure you're subscribing to the channel. Thanks for watching.
Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.